0: All right, welcome in episode four of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition this Sunday night. uh, And thankfully, Griffin has carried us once again, carried us to another victory because my best bet was an abject failure. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that could have gone worse, to be honest. So um, I I said, oh, we're going to need you to carry it again, and sure enough, you did. Although that one looked it's scary for a while too, but I we listen. What matters is it gets to the window, and there we go. So now we we are still sitting at three and three on the season. Hopefully, we can get one of these where we both win a best bet. That would be ideal. Uh, but until then, we'll just keep grinding along. Uh, Griffin, how you feeling, bud?
1: Pretty good. Pigs uh, pigs might be flying by the time we're both winning the same best bet in the same <laughs> week. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping this is it. All right. Let's go ahead and start with the big games this week.
0: And we have a few of them. Again, just a, a programming note. We are going to do this episode and then you won't hear us again for a week. We are going to be uh, we're going to take Thanksgiving off. So um, if that is, you know, what you're dying to hear. Uh, on Thanksgiving. If you wake up on Thanksgiving, you're like, oh my God, I cannot wait to hear Griffin and AJ. I've got bad news, friends. We will be gone that day. So uh, we will do our best to be back this Sunday after. And hopefully we stay on sort of a normal schedule until the holidays come around. And then I'm sure we'll be thrown off once again. So uh, we will, again, we'll keep you updated on, on everything as we get there. But for now, just know that this episode next week won't exist. So, uh, or no, this is the next time it'll exist. Our normal midweek episode is the one that won't exist. So, or something like that. I don't know. All right, let's get into the games. Let's start Ohio state minus two projected here against Seton hall. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: Uh, so I think we got to look at Seton hall and their, uh, victory at Michigan. Um, I watched a little bit of it after knowing that Seton Hall won, and it seemed like one of those those games that kind of came down to the end, missed free throws for Michigan at home, which is a bit surprising. But ultimately, uh, that's how you win and lose games in this sport. Um, so I'm not sure how much to take from that. Obviously, a different situation here facing Ohio State, uh, built a little differently. But I think as we outlined in the last time we spoke about Ohio State on this podcast uh, when they played Xavier, um, I'm not a huge Chris Holtman fan. I feel like he has outperformed at a lot of lower schools, but the expectations have have grown significantly once he took the Ohio State job while he was getting like hair replacements or something like that. I don't know. Weird <laughs> weird to me, but uh said he was a little like drowsy when he when he accepted the offer and maybe the AD was for offering it to him as well. Um, but you know, I, I just in looking at what Ohio State and how they're built, um E.J. Liddell is their go-to guy, uh, who's kind of a, a mobile power forward. And Seton Hall have a lot of size to throw at him. I don't know necessarily if if like Obiagu, big seven-footer, is going to be the guy that that draws that defensive assignment. He's probably too slow for him. Uh, but I haven't really seen too much from Ohio State yet. Uh, Could you remind, remind me the number and maybe while you're talking about it, AJ?
0: Ohio State minus two is what we're projecting here in this one.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to be against the Buckeyes. I think as much as possible, especially when they don't have the home crowd behind them, uh, and, and that that's certainly something I'd be looking for on the other side here. Um, I think Seton Hall have proven that they're uh, this game's in Fort Myers, so far far away from the Buckeye State, but I imagine there's probably a decent traveling fan base that goes with them. Uh, but Seton Hall probably will have one of th- that same sort of thing too, because they have no football program to distract them. I'm not really even sure what other sports they have, maybe baseball, who knows. Uh, but I got to say uh, field
0: hockey, field hockey. I think they're very strong. Got
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure that was in your, uh, your pre-pod research. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's in my notes here. Yeah, yeah. Plus two, I got to say uh, I'm leaning the dog here, which isn't a surprise probably to any of the listeners, but I got to say Ohio state's got to prove it to me and they haven't done that yet.
0: I think I'm in the same boat with you. Uh, Ohio state in their first two games this season were plus seven in rebounding. And that was against Akron and Niagara, two wins that were probably way tighter than they should have been given the, the talent discrepancy there. And that really came back to bite them once they played against a team with actual you know size in Xavier. And X was plus eight on the boards, 16 offensive rebounds in the Ohio State loss, or in Ohio State's loss to them. And now you get Seton Hall, who are 14th nationally, 45 rebounds per game, obviously a ton of size. They are going to make it difficult on this Ohio State team. And even maybe the the most concerning uh, stat from that Xavier game, Ohio State was 9 of 23 on layups. So when you've got a bunch of seven-footers roaming around, Obiagu, Jackson, Yetna, they've got a ton of size down low. It's going to be even harder to get easy looks. Um and if if Xavier could have shot at all, which they couldn't, that game could have been a total blowout. So uh, I think Seton Hall's riding high right now. That win against Michigan was nice. It was, uh, I mean, it was close. It was a good game, but they weren't. I mean, they were the underdogs. You, 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 anytime you win outright as a dog, that's a, that's a nice performance. So I, I like what Seton Hall's got cooking right now. I think if they're an underdog again, I will be on Seton Hall.
1: Yeah, can't can't blame you. Um, I think Ohio State maybe coming up that loss might have a little bit more motivation or something, but I feel like these tournaments, you're you're kind of raring to go. So I I don't see too much of a, a benefit there. And like like you were saying, if I can get two points, I like it.
0: All right. Let's go to the the game of the year so far, I guess. This is the uh the, the biggest matchup that we've seen so far to date, at least as far as the the rankings would tell us. Gonzaga versus UCLA, a final four rematch. We're projecting Gonzaga about minus about minus four, I guess, is probably a fair predict- prediction. I, I could even see it going higher than that, but let's, let's start at four. What do you say?
1: So at four, um, and, and I know that you probably are going to have plenty on, on the UCLA side of things, um, just in, in reacting to what I've seen from Gonzaga so far this year has been a bunch of blowouts, which is certainly something they're accustomed to, and it's not anything different. Uh, I think taking on Texas, who is going to be a lot better towards the end of the season once they get more time under Chris Beard and, and the offense has more time to gel. I think uh, our podcast was pretty accurate that we were a little worried about how Texas would operate in that type of environment. I think Gonzaga is not as strong as their team was last year, uh, but ultimately that was one of the best teams, maybe in college basketball's recent memory decade, whatever you want to say. Um, I really strongly dislike Drew Timmy at this point, but. Um, I can't really argue against that, that no one can really stop him in a, in a game of college basketball where uh, going inside is really a thing in the past because they just you're allowed to be so much more physical in on the interior than you're on the perimeter. So that generally limits uh, what big guys can do inside. Drew Timmy has either figured that out or he's got enough of the like church league uh, e- like YMCA type of gym or game that that works in that type of gym. Excuse me. Um, and it seems like no one can really stop it. Um, and, and looking at UCLA, Miles Johnson's got, he, I mean, big transfer addition in the off season, who's big seven footer with a lot of length, a lot of lot of hands, uh, good shot blocker, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm a little worried about how he's going to handle that. And if that doesn't work, only getting four points with a good UCLA team that have returned a ton of talent, had a really good close game against Villanova that they might have even, uh, you could certainly argue they could have lost at home. Sorry to keep bringing up <laughs> the wounds and, and reopening them, AJ. But No, no, I'd I totally forgotten that that game even happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, sorry about that, brother. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm trying to find ways to avoid going against Gonzaga at this point. UCLA are certainly a strong team that I think, can give them some trouble, but only getting four, I feel like is not enough for me to really want to take that plunge. What's the number that would make you feel good about UCLA? Like if it's six, God. seven, you know, I I'm starting to, to really look at playing first halves because full games, you're dealing with free throws at the end. And and just, if you do an, an expected points per possession and I'm not trying to get too nerdy on this podcast, even though I'm sure all the nerds are listening. Um, It's just like one of those things where it just gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, the more lopsided of of a spread is projecting. So certainly with more points, I'm more interested in UCLA. I think at six, because you're covering two possessions, that makes me feel a lot better. Um, But honestly, at this point, I feel like I really got to feel confident that whoever I'm backing against Gonzaga uh, have a chance to beat them, a la Pegler in the national championship game last last season. And, And I don't know that I think that UCLA are strong enough, despite returning everything you possibly could and having a really diminutive, but like very defensive minded, Uh, Head coach, I'm just not sure that there's enough there for me to even make a play unless we're trying starting to see this number a lot higher than it's projecting.
0: So I'm with you on this. I'm and not just because I think Gonzaga is really good, which I do. Are they better than last year? No, but I'm with you that last year was a pretty special team. Uh, But I'm just not as high on UCLA as the betting market or Ken Palm or anybody is. Like I I just. I, I get there was a nice run. They, they should have lost that game to Villanova. And that, I mean, that you were joking about bringing it up again. But the truth is, it, like, it took multiple miracles to get them back in that game. They were, they were not the better team on the floor that day. Um, so where I'm at is, I, I, I look at what we saw last year, and, and I, I get that the final run was great. But for most of the season, this was kind of an okay team. And I'm buying more that this is an okay team now with, you know, more experience and probably they they've they've probably a little better than they were last we saw them because they, they have had that run together and they do have that to build off of. But I don't think that this is like one of the three or four best teams in the country. I just can't get there, particularly without Cody Riley, who, you know, last year. Cody Riley played a big role in this game that they played uh, against Gonzaga in the Final Four. He was, he 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 was really a key factor for UCLA. And not having him, I think, is a big deal. I, you know, they, they've they've got size still, like you mentioned, Miles coming in, and that's that's nice. It, it's another big body. But the 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 problem now becomes you Gonzaga's got another big body that you've got to defend. And Drew Timmy is obviously going to be he's a handful. But now you've got Chet coming in, and Chet hasn't been unleashed, I don't think. I think Chet Holmgren is going to be very good by the time it's all said and done. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. Um, But I I think that UCLA has a hard time slowing down Timmy. I think they have a a hard time guarding the three-point line. They've had trouble guarding the three-point line. And Gonzaga is a 38% three-point shooting team. Uh, Drew Timmy, the the craziest number I saw on Drew Timmy was – he's hit 80% of his shots that weren't three pointers so far this year. Like he's just having his way inside. So I, I, I don't know if what you said, like the church league, I don't know what it is, but he is, he, he's having his way inside the paint. So I've, until uh, uh, it gets to about six or seven, I feel really comfortable with Gonzaga to be honest.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think I'm stepping in the way of the Gonzaga train anytime soon. Uh, just don't want to throw anything at a TV. When I see Drew Timmy, like raising the roof or, or, and rec specs or something
0: like that <laughs> all right let's look at uh let's this is a fun one Loyola Chicago we're going to project plus five against Michigan State and again I think that number is probably about right we may end up seeing closer to four depends on on the respect Michigan State gets but what do you think of this matchup
1: so I'm interested in Loyola uh, as the underdog here because I'm not really a huge fan of, of kind of what has happened to Tom Izzo's teams recently. I don't know if if maybe the the better recruits that he was kind of getting that were under the radar are no longer under the radar and aren't coming to his program anymore, but I feel like there's been a, a, a change in kind of the direction of that program. Maybe it was off the court stuff or, or what I don't know, whatever it may be. Um, and looking into Loyola a little bit deeper, um, getting five points is a nice number on a neutral court. Um, certainly is 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 saying something about the difference in quality of these teams. Uh, I think Loyola is starting off playing one of the easier schedules possible. Anything with Chicago State on it is not a good sign for me. Uh, and And certainly trying to break in the new uh, head coach who uh, taking over for, for Porter Moser is never going to be an easy thing. And certainly I can understand trying to like ease your way in. Uh, but this is a pretty big test where Michigan State's already gone through uh, the Champions Classic. And that that's a big deal, I think, in terms of uh, the first few minutes of this game, making sure that the uh, Ken Palm's inferior team is able to really handle the speed and talent they're up against. Now, in terms of the the rosters, I think Loyola uh, lost Crutwig, who's one of the bigger, most important, I think reasons for their success over the last few years. And is probably what got uh, Moser the big job at, at Oklahoma. And he probably owes him some money for that. Um, probably. Getting passed down some way or another, um, but I got B- bags are getting handed out all around Oklahoma. Don't worry, yeah, it's, I, it's, they're usually to steal the uh, the Dallas football prospects, as I've unfortunately learned too well. But <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I just in looking at this team and trying to figure out kind of who they are. Uh, a lot of the the same personnel return, um, but there's a big hole at that center position, which is really what made them go. And, and so I think kind of what you're saying about UCLA is that they might be one of those teams that. Um, no one really knows how good they are yet, but also they don't know how bad they are, uh, and, and really we don't know what type of step down has has this team will take from losing their their all or, or nothing head coach and they're basically center that was playing point guard, which was so hard for any, any type of defense to match up against. So I'm pretty worried about the Michigan state athletes, just, just overcoming overwhelming a Loyola back cut offense, which as if you watch Oklahoma today, it's, it's really hard for teams to score with a back cut offense. If you don't have a lot of shooting and you're dealing with, with better athletes on the other side.
0: So I, I think it's kind of tough to give Loyola the benefit of the doubt here because they they haven't played anyone this year, and this is really the first test for Drew Valentine as a head coach. And obviously, go, he goes up against Izzo, which is is not easy. And it's it's their first test without Krowick. like you said. They did bring back literally everybody but him, uh, and they, they they rank 57th nationally in experience on Ken Palm. But I would say that's a that that's a low number. They bring back as much useful. Battle-tested experience as anyone in the country, so that that would seem to help a first-year coach, especially Valentine, who's who's been here throughout their run. But it, this is a like I said, it's a tough first matchup for a head coach to go up against Izzo. That's uh, obviously got to be somewhat intimidating. Um, it's hard to tell if my preseason conceptions about Sparty, uh, which are, are true which means they can't play d they they especially down low they don't have a go they don't have a go-to scorer again this year uh, uh jo- joey hauser stinks now i don't know what happened to joey hauser in the last couple of years but ever since he got to michigan state he stinks so th- those were my pre my preseason conceptions uh, or they were just playing kansas and that's going to happen to everyone who plays kansas like that that could be the case also like michigan state could really have figured some things out and they just happen to run into one of the best teams in the country in their very first game. I I tend to lean to the Ramblers here as a dog, and especially if the number that we're projecting is light, if if five is is light, then I'm probably going to like them. Um, I think this may just be an opportunity to kind of sit back and learn something about both these teams because like we haven't seen anything out of Loyola we've just seen them beat up on scrubs and then Michigan State the only team we saw them play against we I knew they were going to be outmatched against Kansas so it's not like I was like oh I knew it they they stink now no that Kansas is just way better than them and it's not necessarily the end of the world so I I'm kind of just looking at this game I think is a way to to gain some information about both these teams
1: I think going off of a big, big coaching mismatch, I would even call it. Um, You can't really expect an assistant uh, upgraded to a head coaching job will have the ability in a tight game to outmaneuver Tom Izzo. So I feel like if you're backing Loyola in this type of game, you need them to start off really hot. And I think it's going to be hard to see that happening, at least from my point of view, considering they're going to be facing the best athletes they've seen since last March or whatever. Um, And and that's, that's an issue for me. I think... Uh, maybe that that might be the key that Izzo's teams don't play defense like they used to. He can't coach them as hard because so many videos have leaked or whatever the heck's gotten out there. Um. <laughs> But like I, I think from from where I sit, I, I, similar to you, I lean Loyola. I do want to see uh, if Valentine's going to run the team the same exact way that Porter, Porter Moser did. I, I assume that he will, and based on the personnel being almost exactly the same. Uh, but I think it's something to learn for the future because Loyola are going to be a big favorite throughout a, a, a decent Missouri Valley Conference, not certainly anywhere as strong as it used to be in the past. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what this type of team looks like. And I think if they're going to carry around a, a, like a really good team in a, in a mid major conference type of, Uh, power ranking, I I think we might be able to find some value going against them if they're not going to live up to uh, the Cam Crutwick teams that are no no more.
0: All right, let's take a look at UConn minus one and a half against Auburn. And by the way, all these big games that we're talking about this week, they're all on neutrals, which kind of makes it easy for the numbers anyway. You don't have to worry about home court advantage, some things like that. So these are all kind of just power rating numbers. So UConn minus one and a half what we're projecting against Auburn.
1: Yeah, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to take out a mortgage. There's so many games on neutral. Uh, I don't have a house, but uh, that I might need one because there's so many games on neutral courts that I want to get down on like immediately. Uh, lines aren't even out yet for a lot of these as we're talking about them, but uh, so yeah, for Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, looking at UConn, I'm um, I- I'm really interested in seeing what UConn turn out to be. They seem to be one of those kind of old school teams that are are really strong inside, and I have a lot of questions about their guard play. Uh, meanwhile Auburn with Bruce Pearl say what you want about him um, I, I love him as an underdog I got to say and is someone that I think is going to be one of those type of of, of coaches that is always going to push the the tempo and I feel like ever since his suspension he's way more interested in shooting threes than he ever was before uh, and so if you're pressing and shooting threes and UConn don't have a great uh, three-point ability. I mean, maybe they do. I, I haven't seen it yet. It just seems like they're really, really deep inside, and that's going to be the the biggest issue for Auburn. They have uh, Walker Kessler, transfer from North Carolina, and Cardwell, who is a good, I thought he was going to be the starter this year, might even keep the job from Kessler, take it, whatever, how to, how to put that. Um, but it looks like they're they're rotating in and out. I like the the transfer Jasper from Charleston. He's been on my card plenty uh when he was on the Charleston team. And so I am looking at the the Auburn as a dog here because I I I just always side with good backcourts in this in this sport. I think the big guys are not necessarily a dime a dozen, but I think they're their impact on a game is much different than uh, a really strong backcourt. And I think there's a big mismatch there.
0: I'm with you on this one. Uh, I I like Auburn here too. And you you mentioned, you know, having uh, Zeb Jasper in from Charleston. He's the only senior on this team. He's the only guy who would have been a senior had, uh, had, had Sharif Cooper stayed. So this is like, they brought in some leadership along with some backcourt play. Uh, obviously, you're not replacing Sharif Cooper, you know, with someone from Charleston. It does, doesn't happen. Uh, and Alan Flanagan, who was coming back and was supposed to be probably the best player on this team, now he's gone. So uh, they should be downgraded, but I think it's probably too much. Uh, you mentioned Walker Kessler, who transferred in from UNC. Like you got to think a freshman trying to crack the rotation at UNC, especially a front court freshman. Like it doesn't speak anything to him being good or not. I, I, this guy can play from what I've seen so far this year, and they've been pairing him with Jabari Smith, who is probably their their highest ranked recruit. so they've got a real a front court I think that can compete with this UConn front court. Uh, and like you said, the the back court is just such an advantage for Auburn here. And and really, when you look at who UConn's played so far, three of their first four games have been against bottom fifty Ken Palm teams. The one that wasn't was bottom 70. Uh, And I expect UConn to be maybe even elite defensively all season long, Uh, but they're probably better defensively like in a half court sense than they will be in transition, which is way more important against this Auburn team. So um, my questions about UConn are probably the same as yours. Where where does their offense come from in in the backcourt? Like there's no book night just chucking up, you know, crazy shots you don't have that anymore. So I I like what I've seen out of Auburn so far. I'm I'm starting to think that the market downgraded them too far after losing Flanagan, which I I get it. But I I think that what Auburn did a good job of hitting the transfer portal and filling these holes that they they made. So if it's pick or better, I'm going to be on the Tigers.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to it as well. I imagine based on everyone in the world at ESPN, I mean, probably because they're in Connecticut as well, but just saying how Connecticut might have the best front court in the country if like, whoa, pump the brakes a little bit there. It's certainly deep, but I'm not sure that there's a bunch of NBA players walking uh, out on that court.
0: And again, if you're going to say the best front court in in the country, like they should be a lot better on offense than they are. Like they are very good defensively. They're going to make a bunch of stops, but – I don't know if you can count on that scoring, like the, the scoring of that front court to get you through a season. I, I don't know that I believe in it. So, all right, let's get into the good stuff, the best bets. Hopefully, again, like I said, we're three and three on the season. Uh, Griffin two and one, I'm one and two. So let's try and let's try and uh, get a, a two for this week. I'll go first. Maybe it'll change up the mojo a little bit. And I'm going to go with the U, Miami minus three against Dayton. This is on Thanksgiving Day. And Dayton so far this season is a disaster. Like, I've watched them a couple times. They like so think about everything you've thought about Dayton in the last two seasons. You know, like Obi Toppin and Jalen Crutcher. It's think about the exact opposite, and that's what you've got now. They've dropped fifty spots in Ken Palm since the season started, and I feel like it's absolutely warranted. They came back from from ten down in the second half to beat Illinois, Chicago in their opener which is the first the first game I saw and I was like, uh-oh, what's going on here? And since then, they've lost three straight home games to UMass Lowell, Lipscomb, and Austin Pete, none of whom are any good, by the way. And the main culprit is the shooting. They are shooting 23% from three this year after back-to-back years at 37%. I mean, that is a massive drop. They went from top 20 nationally to bottom 20 nationally so far. And I get it. Four games. It's it's a a small sample size, but losing Jalen Crutcher as a creator, losing him as a shooter, is all being felt right now. And Miami was so bad last year. I get it, but they had some really bad injury luck, which they also had in nineteen and twenty. So maybe it's more than just bad luck. If you remember last year, they were like, "Is there something going on with the training staff at Miami? Like, is, are you guys doing something?" It's like, no, everybody's just getting hurt right now while they're healthy. I expect them to to look pretty good. Cam Augusti, who I honestly kind of forgot was still a college basketball player, since he's like thirty and he missed so much time last year. He's at twenty one points per game so far, uh, and Dayton is two hundred ninety fourth in defense against two point percent or defense against two pointers so far. So that's going to be a problem for them as well. I just I can't find anything I like about this Dayton team right now. I'm not in love with Miami. But I do know that they're healthy right now. So I'm, I'm going to back them here. Minus three, I'll probably play it up to five and a half.
1: Yeah. And the Coach L, Jim Laranaga uh, matchup with Anthony Grant is probably one of the most, uh, one of the biggest discrepancies you'll see on a college basketball court. So yeah, um, can't blame me for that. Uh, follow, I actually got fairly deep in the Dayton uh, Twitter scene, and this guy I follow, um, I, I think he stopped watching games and I think he does a radio show. So it's probably not so good or not a great uh, sign <laughs> for that. Uh, but I'll, I'll take the mic here. So uh, I'm going to go with actually one for tomorrow. Uh, lines are out on, on bet online. I saw a little bit earlier today uh, and hopefully you can grab this one. Uh, maybe ASAP, because I think it might be on the move. I'm looking at George Mason, who's off to a really good start. Uh, they're playing against Washington in uh, at a neutral site, like most of the games this week, uh, I think in South Dakota. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Ken Palm has it actually at minus one. Uh, I, I saw Bet Online earlier at minus two. Um, that might be moving around. I, I think I'm, I'm buying George Mason all the way up to minus four. Um, I think Mason and... and As i've said i think on this podcast already i'm really keen on trying to keep my numbers as low as possible when i'm betting favorites so i would go sooner rather than later certainly some risk in a COVID time and with injuries that seem to come out with college basketball teams like four minutes before a game starts but i guess that's it is what it is um in terms of x's and o's and whatever washington has this season uh the mike hopkins era started really hot he had a lot of press fanfare after leaving the Syracuse head coach and waiting job because Jim Beheim was never going to retire and had a good initial start. And the team or the program has been a disaster since then. He's relying on a bunch of players that I don't think were very good at other schools transferring in, trying to get some more playing time, which is never a good sign if you're expected to be one of the best teams. And there's a ton of talent in the Seattle Tacoma area. Uh, But ultimately George Mason off to a great start, had a good win against Maryland that I think was deserved and really kind of killed the will of Maryland who looked like they were all over the place from the start of that, that matchup. Um, and and I think, a really small number that that because Ken Palm's ultimately baking in a lot of results from last season as he does until like the end of January on every season. So uh, I think we're getting a low number. Uh, Washington fresh off a loss to Wyoming uh, could be a spot where they're going to show up uh, and be angry from the start. But I'm not sure that's going to do anything other than result in bricks off the backboard. Um, Mason minus two all the way up to minus four, uh, I think. Or if you get something lower than that, when the big, big boys come out, uh, I would put that on your card as fast as you can.
0: Yep. It's funny. That was one of, uh, I I wrote down three potential best bets for this podcast, and that was one of my three. So if you, I I mean, if you're taking my last two weeks as some sort of a curse, then maybe (laughs) this is a, this is a bad sign, but, uh, it was on, it was on my short list for best bets. So I, I fully, fully endorse this one. I will be betting this one as well. So, uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think you're due. Gotta be due. I gotta be due. Or you're due for an L and after two straight best bet winners. I I don't know. I don't know how this is gonna work.
1: No, but, uh, only only positive energy from here. We're we're going forward. We're gonna go two and o week. We're both gonna get our wins and we're gonna move forward. And then soon enough we'll be the uh the highest ranking podcast out there. That that works for me. All right. Uh, great job today, Griffin. Uh, thanks
0: to all you guys for listening. Like I said, we will be off on Thursday, Friday, whenever you get it. Uh, we will not have an episode then, so we're going to enjoy Thanksgiving. And uh, and then we will be back with this episode a week from right now. Whenever you get this one, a week later, it'll come out. So Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, we'll be here. So uh, enjoy the holiday, Griffin. Don't eat too much. And, uh, <laughs> and again, I appreciate you hopping on with us, Brad. Thank you. Thanks to all the listeners, and we will talk to you guys next week.
1: Have a great holiday, everybody listening. If you want, uh, hit us on Twitter. I'm sure we'll be happy to discuss because we can only talk to our families for so long.